Welcome to another edition of Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn. I am unpaid producer Heather sitting in this week for Ed, who was sitting in for Joe. Today we are speaking with Asbury Park local Kelly Irving, a healthcare professional and personal trainer, who tells us what it's like in a local hospital right now and exercises we can do to help us not gain weight while we're sheltering in place. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official city of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. April 7th, um, I'm getting my days mixed up, Tuesday, Tuesday, April 7th, we're in day 20-something of the pandemic, I'm not even- Yeah, it depends whose calendar, right? So the city declared the state of emergency March 15th, so we started March 15th, and then the governor started March 16th, so- I should add up those days at some point, but we're in whatever day on whatever day on whatever date that we've all been sitting home repeatedly. Um, So uh, our guest today, I usually have a co-host, so that's why I'm like, it's weird with me not being, not having somebody else to introduce, but I do want to say to our, our couple of listeners, um, Joe is out still. Um, He'll hopefully be back next week for our next podcast. Um, and we want to offer our um, heartfelt condolences to him and his family um, about, uh, you know, regarding his mom passing. Um, Ed Ford may jump on, may not. Um, I think I think his job is like he. I feel like he has something to do with the medical industry, so he also may be. I don't know. Dealing with, I assume is lots and lots of drama with the medical industry. So we're here with Kelly, an Asbury Park resident, and you're here for two reasons. You're here, one, to describe to us what's going on in the hospitals, and then you're also here to get us up to speed on what we need to be doing to stay in shape, because you're a trainer. And my friend Jan Sparrow's trainer, Jan Sparrow, who owns Words, which is where we normally... Uh, tape all of Asbury Pod. She gives us her back office, which is awesome. Definitely. So starting off, what brought you to Asbury? Um, actually, I a friend of mine, this is years ago, um, a friend of mine was sort of headed security at Paradise. And uh, I got a job there. I worked the front door at Paradise for many years. Oh, really? What year? 2000, well, I actually lifeguarded the pool at paradise as well that's a handful um so i want to say 2000 
2004, maybe 2005. And you, and you were the muscle at the pool. You're the security guard at the pool. <laughs> the lifeguard. You were the lifeguard at the pool. And were people drowning in the pool a lot? Well, you know what? I've always said that I would rather guard an ocean full of children than like 12 queens with cocktails around the pool. Of course, right? Uh, because, you know. Why? Because they're getting in fights. Well, you know, there's that, there's it's just chaos and mayhem. I mean, great. I enjoyed every second of it. But, you know, things get happening by the end of a Sunday afternoon. And then you break into tea dance and it's, it's, it's no rules apply. And how long, so, how long did you do that for? I probably did that from maybe, I want to say 2004, 2005, upwards of seven, 2007, maybe, or maybe three, four seasons, somewhere in there. You know, we tend to lose track with time. Absolutely. And you were living in Asbury and working there or you were living outside? I was actually living in Wanamassa at the time. Okay. And uh, I was a director of training for a facility that was going to build a big, big facility and the market crashed in nine. And uh, they decided to, you know, they lost a lot of investors and so I needed a gym. I needed a gym to train clients and do my thing. So I um, I went into what at the time owned by chiropractor Dr. Pat Conley, also. Shout out to Dr. Pat. We love Dr. Pat. We do. He um, he owned it then. It was Newberry Fitness back then. I was aptly named for the this store that it once was. And uh, he and I had a conversation and that was that. I trained out of there for many years. That's where I ran my business out of Cookman Avenue. And you you were do, doing training for how long? I, I, I guess I got there at about 2009. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing it since then. I've stepped away for a little bit and then came back to it and am back full force. I train mostly in people's homes. Now, when I do need studio space, I'm no longer on Cookman Avenue. Um, but I... It's a lot of in-home training, especially now, especially now because of everything that's going on. And are people still doing trainings right now or no? Uh, yeah, I've maintained, you know, uh, my social distancing training. I've learned a lot about Zoom. That's why I was all proud of myself for dialing in and knowing what I was doing because I had to. That's an interesting vibe to it because you know, to coach somebody without being able to verbal, like, you know, physically cue them. That's interesting for me. So, um, that's how I've been doing it, but I've been doing a lot of in-home stuff. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, and how are you doing for the pandemic? Me? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I mean, um, it's interesting, um, having both views being in the hospital and because I work in the hospital um, three shifts a week, um, three 12-hour shifts there, and then being on the outside. So being on the inside and being on the outside has a very interesting perspective. I have the good fortune of seeing both sides of that. A lot of people, you know, held up in their houses. And my schedule has really not been interrupted, right, which is right. kind of wacky because everything else around me is. Right. But I broke it up and go to work and do my thing there. Yeah. So I think like from, from the perspective of the people who are home, uh, I, I only see what is coming through my television or my social media. Um, or, you know, I listen to the daily podcast and, um, and it, I mean, one just sounds horrifying. Um, 
and then we listened to to Governor Murphy kind of kind of go through like today, for example, he um he shut down the parks, the state and county parks, because uh, people were not properly social distancing, and 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 why that may affect us here in Asbury is if um as places go less and less off uh, offline, you know, you, you can no longer go to them then that affects our assessment of keeping the beach open. Because I think most people know the boardwalk's closed, but um, the beach is still open. Um, so I was down there today and people were absolutely social distancing, but this, it wasn't a, you know, it was a beautiful day, but it wasn't, you know, a 75, 80 degree day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, it's just this super surreal experience. But, you know, one of the reasons I thought you would be really interesting to talk to um, beyond the fact that I'm, I'm hoping I'm not going to end up being 400 pounds by the end of this. <laughs> also, I'm on my way. Yeah. Right. I, I just, I stare out my window and eat all, all the entire day. I mean, that's just all I do. Um, and, and like Miss Kravitz, I go from window to window and police, whatever's going on outside. Um, but you know, one of the reasons we want to talk to you a little bit, um, we've been since we've been doing these podcasts, and thanks to Ming and Shared Universe, the only reason that we've been able to do them. Um, the reason that uh, we we wanted to talk to you, and and we've been trying to have guests related to Corona. So we had um, we had Garrett Guyberson Jr., who was the OEM. The he's yeah, the management. And then last week we had Kathy Kelly, who started the Asbury Park Dinner Club, um, along with a few other Joe, Julie, and Allie, and that was really great. So we wanted to have somebody kind of talk to us a little bit about both what's going on in the hospitals and what you're kind of seeing, and then um, how do we all prevent, you know, going up seven sizes by the end of this pandemic? So well, uh, just maybe talk about your job, your title, what hospital you're at. Uh, I'm at Monmouth Medical Center, part of the Barnabas Health um, System, and I've, I've been there for six years. You know, as a, as a business owner, um, you know, self-employed, uh, I was looking for a way to subsi- subsidize my health benefits, and I started working there about six years ago. I work on labor and delivery, um, which is its own animal, and I... And how qualified must women be who are getting pregnant or have to give birth during, so we, so my son's teacher, one of my son's teacher, Miss Sandy, um, I think she's doing four weeks. And I I just think you're terrified giving birth without a pandemic. So on a good day, on a good day. So I I just, my heart bleeds for people who have to one, go into the hospital, two, during a pandemic, and then have what is really a harrowing experience by giving birth. And can be, yeah. So, you know, to reiterate something that Garrett said on his podcast is that the the change in information is just, you know, head spinning, mind blowing. And what I've observed being there, and I told you, I'm sort of like the air traffic controller there, you know, um, just whatever needs to happen, whatever I need to do in terms of, um, you know, getting patients in, um, picking up the phone, um, getting people, you know, uh, starting their admission, et cetera. Like that's sort of what's going on. And and to me, uh, labor and delivery is sort of like a mash unit and a circus had a love child, right? So you've got, you know, you've got patients who may be sick and pregnant at the same time. Um, You've got 
patients without it, you know, you know, giving birth is like a circus in and of itself. So what I've noticed is that the people in healthcare are very, very accustomed to knowing what to do. Oh, you're hemorrhaging. I got it. Oh, you know, your babies have an issue. I got it. In the information changes and just no one's quite sure what to do. You follow the guidelines, but then they change and you go, all right, well, that's confusing. So I think that that vibe of intensity is something I, I notice more than anything is that it's really intense. Um, mothers or mothers, expectant mothers are pretty tight because like you said, you're having a baby, that's one. And now you're, you're worried. So we get a lot of calls during the day. We set up a, um, a pre-recorded line that um, patients can dial into and get a lot of the information. Everyone going into Monmouth Medical is pre-screened um, through the emergency room. So in some ways, I feel like I'm in the, the safest place there is. Right, right. Because, you know, we, do you have a fever? Do you have a cough? Uh, you know, these are some of the things that they go over um, before a patient even comes up to labor and delivery. So, right. So I feel pretty Well, I, I just think it's so... Uh, it's such a stressful experience without a pandemic going on that mm-hmm. adding a pandemic going on just, I, I don't know, it, holy, just holy shit. Well, I got to say, though, I and I'm not just saying this simply because I work there, but the team at Monmouth Medical, I also have like a level three NICU there. So if something's going down, that's the place you want to be, because the team that surrounds you know, labor and delivery, everyone from environmental services up to, you know, um, doctors and the biggest chunk of that, obviously being the nursing staff is they're just unbelievable. I mean, just as a, as a given. So uh, I think that, and I've noticed this too, (laughs) you know, for you having a baby, yeah, that's the first time you're doing this, but this is what we, they do every single day. And I'm not saying that like it's minimized, but by the same token, it's, um, they're so good at it. They're so good at it that I think they convey this, this, this level of confidence because they should, because I've, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff and then they're just kind of like, yep. And I I mean, from an arrogant place, I just mean from a place like, yeah, we did that. We got that done. Right. We took care of business there. And that's, like I said, why I think this is so like trippy because they're going, what? And they're still not certain. I think this is another thing too that, that unnerves people. So it's still not exactly certain how it does impact pregnancy overall is the, is the gist that I get that there's yeah, still unknowns. Yeah. I think it continues to be an unknown, unknown for all of us. I mean, I, I did read an article of a newborn having it and, and passing away somewhere in the United States. I, I don't remember where. Um, and, and just, you know, in terms of like the atmosphere and culture at the hospital overall, like how would you describe that? It's intense. I More think that than normal. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because I think that everyone is kind of concerned because you don't know you hear that there's people that come through that seemingly healthy and it takes them. And then there are other people, the three or four people in the family, and eh, maybe got a headache, they got a little fever, it feels kind of like a really bad cold or a slight flu, and then they breeze through. So I think that tends to be unnerving. And when you're in healthcare, 
And again, always or very close to always knowing, the, the not knowing is unnerving. So it's intense. But I will say that the hospital, um, and I'm, I'm pretty certain, I mean, I can speak for my experience only in Monmouth Medical, um, but the, the system, the Barnabas system, I feel like they are doing the very best that they can do to take care of us. And I understand that people hear horror stories, and there are. I work with some people who um, have served elsewhere in the city, and it is as bad as you see it. Um, where I am, it's very, very intense. Um, but on my floor, labor and delivery, and there is a unit, a COVID unit sort of setup that we had to. Um, it's, I don't think it's like what you see on in the city, but it's definitely intense. I mean, you know, um, there are people, there are people just leaving us and they're here one minute and they're gone the next. And so that experience for the people that I work with is, it's, it's definitely a lot. It's a handful. And so it does feel very different there every day when you go in, you're just, you know, it just, there's nobody in the hospital and you, you see only the employees come in one entrance, no visitors, just patients in another entrance. So it's, it's weird. And for labor and delivery, like people planning this, are they allowing spouses, partners, parents? You know, well, there was some back and forth about that. There was okay. a particular back and forth about that city. We allow a support person who is non-symptomatic and non-positive. If that person cannot be there, someone else may be there, but that person is with that um, patient for the entirety of their stay. So they, if, if, if your partner or your support person, we call them, if the support person is ill and not able to be with you, you are certainly entitled to bring someone else, but there's no coming in and out. There's no um, leaving. Um, they're there start to finish to postpartum. And we are allowing that. And we have always allowed that. There was no time that we said no to that. Okay. And do you normally only allow one or do you, is that, is that the number you generally always allowed to begin with? Well, you know, um, I think, that, I think that the, um, the priority is safety. So it's not as much about like allow as it is about a safe environment. Okay. So there are people who like a second support person. Uh, I'd like my mom to be there or my sister wants to be there. And we, d we don't, up until now, that was as long as the environment in the room was safe. Sure, that was good. That was okay. Okay, but not so much now. Right, yeah. right. And I love that you call it a support person. That's yeah, because right. what it is, as opposed to like all shapes, sizes, colors, genders, whatever. Yeah. So, so shout out to to you all for doing um for doing support person. Um, I had my son in uh Jersey Shore, and I had. I don't. I had Patty Brown, who's a midwife. Yeah. Um. Instead of it. Yep. Yep. We. Lo I love. Patty Brown. Yeah. Um. Okay. Now I'm going to get into training, or I could go into a couple of questions that came in for you. Oh. Oh. Whatever. What's your pleasure, okay. ma'am? All right. I'm going to do a couple because I told a few people that we were doing this. Um, okay. With you. So vegan. Yeah. Twenty four years. Oh my god. Okay. So. My wife is a strict vegan. I mm -hmm. would say I'm vegan with the exception of cheese. Gratuitous cheese. They've never made a good vegan cheese. I'm gonna... You, you like Daya? I feel like Daya is not good. Well, I think at the, in the vegan cheese world, I think Daya is the top of the food chain. 
um, there's a new brand. Ah, oh, comes in a black bag. I got to remember the name of it. I, okay. I, I, I shop by sight. You can send it to me because I, will. I could be, so I, so I don't care about eggs. Like I don't care about butter. Like I, I don't care about anything, but I do. I would like, I, I like a nice piece. You know, I would like an occasional piece of cheese. Um, and with that exception, I think I could, you know, I would be in the vegan world and that's probably 10 plus years. Good for you. Right. Yeah. And my wife is like strict, strict vegan. Yeah. And are yeah. you health or animal rights reasons? I am a healthy, healthy combination of both. I, it's a, to me, I feel like I don't have that right to, you know, to take anything that's living and eat it. <laughs> it's just, that's just my view. Right. At the same time, as, as I started to eat that way and I learned about the benefits of it, I recently, uh, last year, I went through Cornell University and um, got a certification or certified as in a plant-based nutrition so that, you know, um, I got legit versus, you know, just experience for all that time. So it's a, it's a healthy combination of both. I like to say plant-based now because, you know, when you hear vegan, when you hear the V word, People start going cuckoo for cuckoo pups. Like you, they, I, I think that that carries with it a stigma for so many years that you're going to like spill blood on them or something, and you know, chat signs. And so I like to go with plant based. I think it's a kinder, gentler approach to the mainstream. I think not, it makes them feel more. Yeah, not as controversial of a word. And Ming, who's taping us, is texting me. Ming, you could just jump on and ask your question. question i think the uh, the cheese in the black bag is a uh, vile life correct well, i'm sorry vile life yes, is that yes. the okay all right well, just you, wait, wait, are you vegan i'm not i i eat everything so um including <laughs> vegan food so actually a good cheese oh yeah yeah for sure I, that might be the best one out there so thank you thank yeah. you i uh, yeah. just in case for future sponsorship we'll give them a shout out okay <laughs> Um, yeah, I've never had it. Uh, good, good Carmen Red Bank, um, does like a cashew cheese that I will say is good. Um, and the Mexican restaurant in Bradley Beach, whose name I'm drawing a blank on. Uh, Luna Verde. Luna Verde. They had a queso cheese that was good, but like other than to me, like restaurant based, I cannot, I cannot like, I don't. I don't come home and want to put a piece of diet cheese on like a cracker with mustard, you know, but it, and once that's made, I'm in, I'm all in because I know how horrible in, in some ways, probably the dairy industry is even worse than the, the actual, um, you know, meat industry in the sense yeah, of bad. It, plus it's bad for you. I mean, yeah. overall. And, and that's what, that's what I think happens. A lot of people go, Oh, you know, I want to put my, put my toe in the, pool of uh, plant-based or vegan and then they pick a product that legit sucks right. and then they go oh my gosh so, you know it's like I hear people all the time oh I can't stand tofu well you probably got like soft right out of the right. box and tried to eat right. that why would you Absolutely. do that we all know you don't do that so their experience um but I mean you know there's a lot of information out there now and I think that's changing people's views a little bit I don't know if you ever had if you've had the opportunity to see game changers um, and I think, you know, if I may, a lot of dudes have really jumped on board of this because they do discuss, you know, certain man issues 
and how a lot of that can be resolved and bettered or how it's impaired by a meat-based diet. Yeah. So I have to tell you, probably um, one of our most badass firemen is a plant-based, like big as, you know, big as a house, muscle-wise, and uh, totally plant-based. Um, so he, he's he's great as well. And also 24 years is, you know, nobody was doing vegan 24 years ago. No. And you know what? I did have, I, I will tell you, I do have, I did have a period of gratuitous cheese. So if I would go to a restaurant and there was just, you know, cheese on it, um, I, and I forgot to ask them not to put it on there, I wouldn't send it back because I can't stand waste food. It's a thing. Right. Um, but I do, when I was, I went to France, I had some butter um, because, you know, when in France, you gotta, you gotta have butter and croissant, right? Um, I have a friend of mine who raises chickens who live better than some people that I know. And on occasion, I'll grab a couple of those eggs just because. But I, I so, I mean, strict, strict, uh, you know, those eggs maybe two times a year. Um, but otherwise, yeah, full on vegan for, yeah, I was, I was, was raising I was, chickens and I was, I, I would eat her eggs because I would say we're a little bit probably more animal rightsy than health, although a healthy dose of both. But, um, mm -hmm. I would say we absolutely initially started for animal, animal rights purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, train only cause I have questions, I have yeah. questions about training, which is one, please talk about being a trainer Two, what should we be doing in our homes? How are we all not going to put on a ton of weight by the end of this pandemic? Okay. So what are you doing? What am I doing? Yeah. I have always um, subscribed to the very, okay, we cannot, here, here's my mantra. You can't out-train shitty nutrition. Okay. So um, you can work out, but if on the outside you're still eating like crap and your food is about, it's gotta be about, I'm going to say arguably 75 to 80% of, of it all. So that puts us in a little bit of a situation because if we can't go out and we can't do the things that we want to do and we can't sort of keep ahead. Um, then you have to make it about the food. So what I would think is that, um, you just need deprivation doesn't work. That's what I've learned in doing this for as long as I've done it. If I tell you, Amy, you cannot have a beer while we're doing a podcast, well, the first thing you're going to want to do is have a beer while we're doing a podcast. Oh, I would I, have two beers just to prove to you that I could have Just two. to be like, yeah, I have a beer, right? So I know that that does not work. So instead of coaching my clients that way, what I do is I, I get them to add more good stuff, right? So I give people freebies. Like, you know, you want to eat carrots? Eat carrots. You want to eat cucumbers? Eat as much of it as you want. Like, I... What I try to do is subsidize them with really good stuff, really um, nutrient-dense, plant-based stuff, um, so that they feel like, okay, I can have as much of this as I want and mix it up and try new things. And this is a great opportunity, you know, because the upside, there's always an upside, right? This is a great opportunity to get in there and, and try some stuff, try to figure some stuff out, try to figure, you know, try things you maybe never did before or ate before because you just didn't. And know that on the other side of that, you're going to be rewarding yourself because it's not going to be that, you know, calorie dense, empty nutrition, entmans, without saying any names or, you know, 
baked goods and just processed food and packaged stuff and crackers and, you know, fall into those traps. Jan and I like to call it the slippery slope. You know, you start the slide and then you go, eh, it's a pound. Eh, it's two pounds. And eh, the pandemic's only going to be another week. You've got to stop yourself on the slippery slope and just start adding more of the better stuff. Yeah. So I would say the first like week or two, it was like, I'll, I'll just eat chips all day long because, you know, <laughs> Um, and whatever week this is, I guess it's like week three, I have started to at least get slightly back to, um, you know, a vegan chili, making a vegan chili or, or, you know, like a vegan chicken salad or something like that. But the initial bomb of the pandemic, um, I assume like most people, but I, I assume most people feel the same way I did, which was just eating whatever crap you could eat and then hope that this was going to be over in a week or two. And then well, salt, fat, and sugar. I mean, salt, fat, and sugar affects the brain in a way that makes it really tough emotionally, even like the release of dopamine. And you just want more of that. You want more of that. So it's not, it's not entirely disciplined. Now I don't want to necessarily let anybody off the hook and be like, I had no control, but at the same time, um, there, there's something to that. There's something to that that makes us feel better. So if, you know, if we, if we don't introduce as much of it, then that's less of it. We have to sort of jettison from the diet. And what kinds of exercises would you say are the best types of exercises to be doing at home right now? I would do things that are what we call compound that involve more than one part of the body. So, um, one of my personal favorites that is you know, it's a dread among a lot of people who are not huge fans of exercising is what, when I was a kid, we used to call it squat thrust or they now call it the burpee, right? Because uh-huh. now you're, right, now you're engaging everything, everything in the body, you know, down, kick out, come back, stand up. Um, and so you can find like different and creative ways to do that. Or even, you know, I know you and I um, used to see each other on Saturday mornings over at Power Flow Yoga. Mm-hmm. So, um like a sun salutation, you know, if you're, if you're a yoga type or, you know, you even have a, a loose background with that. So something that involves many body parts, it's going to give you more bang for the buck. And what I like to, the homework that I give my clients to do are something called a Tabata round. We work for 20 seconds and then you get 10 seconds recovery. You do that four times and then you get a minute and you do that four times. So it's, it's manageable. Because that's what I think is really important. You got to give people things that they can manage. So you can do this for 20 seconds. You can do 20 seconds jumping jacks. I can light you on fire and you'll live for 20 seconds. You can certainly do 20 seconds jumping jacks. Then you get 10 seconds to recover. Then you do 20 seconds push-ups, 10 seconds recovery, and so on. So you pick out four exercises. So I think... And would you do that for like a half hour or do... No, no, no. You just do do four rounds. So that's one round. The four exercises is one round. Okay. And then do three more rounds. Oh, boom, you're done. You're, you're done your workout in like 20 minutes. But what it does is it gives heart rate up, stabilize, heart rate up, stabilize, gives you more bang for your buck. You know, you're burning more calories now, more, more fat access later. So it's, uh, I think it overall compound exercises done Tabata style is going to be, is going to, yeah, that, that's, that's the direction I would go. And that's kind of what I give my people to do. And you're doing that during the pandemic or in general, that's your advice? Um, I like that anytime, anytime okay. to pot a time, but particularly now because everybody knows, 
assuming. Everyone knows how to do a jumping jack. Everybody can do a push up. Um, you could, you know, just jump straight up and down in the air. So you you could pick a couple of things and pick out four of them. Pick out four things you like to do, and just do it for twenty seconds with ten second recovery. And is that what is that your kind? What would it like if if I if I came in your house? What what's your workout look like? Well, I got to tell you, I am Jones in the gym. I it is you know I like to pick things up and put things down. I you know I I really love that. I really love weight training. Um, and I give my clients because, you know, your, your lean muscle sets your metabolic rate. So we always want to build lean muscle. So if you've got to take two gallons of water, you know, and, and press them, so be it. The band workouts mimic, uh, weight training. So that's, that's what I like to do. I like to combine them both a little bit of cardio stuff, which would be a Tabata for me because I'm not a big runner at this stage in life. Unless something's chasing me, chances are I'm not running. So I'll, I'll combine some lifting, if you will, with um, Tabata stuff or, or like that. Interval training is, is what they call it in the, to the general public. I think most people are familiar with that term more than Tabata. Right. Um, so I'm a total runner, but that I think is I'm an anxious person and running helps me. I spend most of my time outrunning my anxiety. If you're a runner, people who like you who are runners, you have to run for the safety of the rest of us. You got to run. I have to run. Because... Yeah, you'll yeah, go off. You'll go off. Yeah, so I I would say what was bad for me during this pandemic was the day after day after day of rain that I was uh, like, ugh, because I I don't I mean I I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give give the interval um the interval a go in what you're saying in terms of like jacks or or things, but I don't do things like that. I put on a pair of sneakers and run, and and I I would force myself to go to the gym maybe once or twice a week to lift to just to maintain some tone. Um, so I, I've been trying to, to come up with different types of exercises. So I love the jumping jack, um, rest, go, rest, go. But even as a runner, you know, um, and now with the boardwalk closed, a little bit different, but you could also use light poles. So you run to two light poles at your normal pace and then sprint to the next one, run to two, sprint to the next one. So you don't have to count anything. It's just, you know, it's visual in your, and that is the same concept. You get the heart rate up, bring it back down, heart rate up, bring it back down. Better conditioning. Um, and I will say, so I, and I don't, I don't know that I'm a normal runner or not, but I run the same route most of the time. And so having the boardwalks closed has forced me to then take another route. Um, so I, I have never known anything about Wanamasa, but I'm running through Wanamasa left and right because it's open and those streets are wide. Um, because normally I would run up third, run to the end of, uh, um, uh, Avon by the beach or whatever the name of that town is, the, that, the bridge there, that kind of, that, that bridge that's always under repair and appears to always. Yeah. That goes into Wanamasa, right? yeah, Yeah. Um, no, no, no. So my normal route is third Ave up to the boardwalk down to the bridge into Belmar. I, I think. It has oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And then run back. And that's like six and a half to seven miles. So do that a couple of times a week. So, um, doing different routes, one being running into Wanamasa, um, because their streets are so wide. Um, and there doesn't seem to be people on them anyway. The the whole running a different route has been a challenge for me. Which you know what though it 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 works your brain. 
it's it's i'm sure it's a good thing which is why also i think i need to start doing exercises in the house which are you know some sort of something that mimics what i would normally do at the gym and hopefully you know to our listeners that people also are um going to start giving some thought to doing some of these interval exercise exercises in, in the house um question what is a piece of advice that you would give to individuals who are aging and want to remain healthy and mobile do you work a with lot. a lot of seniors what's this i feel like you work with a lot of seniors i was gonna say i yeah i have a um my my population my peeps is i, I like to call them active agers um because we that that is what i suggest the number one thing you do keep moving um, to me and, and with my population, what I train them to do is be able to get up and down, okay? Um, get up off the floor um, because invariably as we age, we have the opportunity to fall and you have to know how to recover from that. Um, I like working with balance for um, active agers, but I mean, it's something as simple as um, touching your toes and, and eventually doing that on one foot, you know, um, because you don't think about that, even younger people. Um, and you see this, you know, if you said to Jensen, just fall on the ground, he would just do it. If I said to you fall on the ground, you'd have to think that through a second. So there are certain things that we stop doing uh, that we need to continue to do. So if you're an older person, um, you know, try getting on the ground and getting back up. You know, use some assistance if you have trouble in the beginning. But it's going to be something that's actually going to be a skill set that you need but it's also going to burn calories. Okay. So it doesn't, it, things don't have to be complex. Get in a chair and get up without using your hands. So it's almost like, you know, what we would call in the gym, maybe a box squat, make it a lower chair, make it an ottoman. Uh, so things like that, as long as you keep moving, just keep doing something, you know, arm circles, goofy stuff like we used to do in gym class or, you know, the old Jack Lane method, whatever it is, arms over the head, but keep the joints moving, keep the body moving. Because when you stop, you stop. So keep moving is my advice. Uh, what surprises you most about docs as you work with so many different... Um, what surprises you most? I, I think this is about doctors. I think that... Ugh, careful. Okay. Uh, Switching topics. This is a better one. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, no, this is a good one. You work security, which I know. You work security for the Mermaid Parade. I did. Okay, you did work security. And what, strangest things you saw there? Strangest. Um, you know what? It actually wasn't strange. It's not strange for us here in Asbury because I don't know that there, I don't, I don't think that, that you can qualify strange here. Can you really? I don't like, know. You've seen it all. You, we, you've seen it all. I will say, so I was the, I was in the the mermaid parade this year, um, and I agree with you. Nobody's, everybody seems very nice. I will say they all take it very seriously. Yes, that if you want to call that strange, yes, I've seen one or two people really, really be on the edge of me questioning. You, you really think you're a sea creature, don't you? Yeah, like, yeah. People take it very, very seriously. Very seriously, and listen. If that's your gig, that's your gig. Um, what I do love about it is going down the boardwalk and just seeing everybody so into it, like, you know, the audience. It's great. Just look at everybody smiling and happy and, 
you know, that's the best part of it. I me anyway yeah no i think it's a lot of fun and we should give a shout out to jen who's been putting that this is like a labor for her for years yeah Um, this may be the last year so let's pull out all the stops on that this summer especially because of everything that's been postponed um and i think she may she may extinguish the torch on that um this year what year year does it what what month does it happen again i forgot now now it's in june I think I want to say it's like June 23rd this year. Oh, forgive me, Jen, for not knowing that off the top of my head. It's a pandemic, Jen. I can't be held responsible for my thoughts. <laughs> and you know, Pride moved. Which I did see that. 20, I think Pride is in their 29th or 30th year, which I should also know. Um, and they moved. They moved it to October 11th um, in light of this, which is probably a good move. And you know, every year for Pride it rains. I mean, it just rains. So maybe it won't rain, right? Maybe this will be the one year that it doesn't downpour on Pride in Asbury Park. And it'll be beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful thing. It falls much nicer than, you know, sweating in June. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, how, how many years have you been coming to Pride in Asbury? The first year, believe it or not, I lived on Sunset Avenue, or Fifth, excuse me, in the building that was the Capri. Yeah. I lived there in 1991. That was the first year of Pride, I believe. Right, ninety one. Yeah, because oh, twenty nine. I think there are twenty nine or thirty years. I forget which one. Right. So, so you uh, I was pride. I believe I was. Yes. Good for you. I came out of my little apartment over there. My friends would be like, "Why do you live in Asbury Park?" I'm like, "Because I live in a great building and my rent is dirt cheap." And look, I'm across the street from Pride. What could be better? Yeah, and there's a ton of gay people here. Yeah. Um, so Jeffrey wants me to ask you about alternative medicines. Jeffrey, what would Jeffrey like to know about alternative medicine? All he says is, can you ask her about alternative medicine? So if you had to tell us one thing about alternative medicines, what would it be? I think that there's, um, where none of us knows enough to be pessimistic about something, right? So, um, I think that a lot of things that were once poo-pooed are now coming into mainstream. And I think it's catching a lot of attention and I do think that people, you know, some people take advantage of that and, you know, are selling snake oil. At the same time, I think that if you connect the dots and you put together that nothing happens accidentally in nature and that you can bring into the fold some things, you know, uh, plant-based medicine, um, just maybe just, just walk outside the allopathic path a minute. Um, and move into naturopath. I think that everything has a place. I'll put it that way. Everything has a place. But the first place I like to seek is like, what is the information? I think that we look at sickness and we look at illness um, as the enemy versus it's just information from your body. So it's asking you to do something different. Pain, and let's go like real existential here for a second, but pain, whether that be emotional, physical, spiritual, um, mental, is a request for change in your body. So I think that there that there is a whole um, movement in alternative medicine that just like veganism years ago got a bad name, but I think people are catching on to it and saying, you know what, there's other ways to do things. And that goes with everything. I mean, there's, you know, other ways to do a million things. And I think that's what we keep in mind. Let's not just limit ourselves to what you've been told, which may come back. Let me go full circle for one second about the doc thing, the question about the docs, which may come back to you only know what you're taught. So if that's what they've been teaching in med school for all these years, then that's what you know. 
I happen to know that doctors, for example, and this is of no fault of anyone's, they don't get a lot of training in nutrition. The first thing I ask somebody is, what are you eating? How are you eating? What are you putting in your body? What's your fuel? You know, how may that be affecting you negatively? I don't think they're taught to ask that first and foremost. And I know that a lot of times it's like, well, what does it matter? It matters. So yeah, Jeffrey, alternative medicine. I think that uh, I'm a huge fan of, of looking at the whole picture instead of just what you're told right in front of you. Um, okay. So I'm always trying to get more lesbian content into this podcast. I honestly, if there was a way I could only have lesbian guests on, okay, I would, I would do that, but I don't know that I can, I'll have to think that through and I probably have to talk to Joe about that. <laughs> um, favorite lesbian movie and why? Oh gosh. Fried green tomatoes. Really? Oh my it's, gosh. You're the first one to say that. It's adorable. It's it is adorable. It's, I just... You know, I love the retrospective. I just, I, there's something about it. There's something about the way it flows that I really, really love. Um, so yeah, I can't believe it came out of my mouth first, but yeah, that must be it because that's what just came right out. And you came out in the delivery room. 90s? <laughs> it's just always been this way. It wasn't a big, I was, am very, very blessed to have a family that, just didn't think twice. Like it's, it's who I was, it's who I am. And it didn't, uh, I think actually there was a time that my father thought it was cool. You know, oh, wow. I got a lesbian, got a lesbian daughter. Yeah. You know. And, and everybody, friends, everybody was pretty good about it. Yeah. I didn't, I really didn't, um, have a lot of challenge in that realm. I mean, no more than, um, you know, if you're at a parade, I went to the March on Washington years ago and there were people on the sidelines, you know, yelling their nastiness and whatever. But in terms of my my immediate tribe and no, not at all. And oh, so I think I'm it's amazing. Very, very fortunate, very fortunate about that. Um, friends or or um girlfriends or whatever might not have been as fortunate with their families, but I always was with my friends and my people. Yeah. Oh, nice. And, um, you, you lived in Asbury in the early nineties. Describe that for us. <laughs> um, yeah. So like I said, I lived on fifth in that building, the Capri, which has always maintained itself as a, as a lovely building. Right. And, uh, I had a little second floor studio up there. I loved it. I absolutely loved it, but it was dicey sometimes because a single at that time as a single woman sort of coming and going when it got late. You know, I'd ride my bike on the boardwalk and there was literally no one there, you know. Um, and that's what I got. I got looks from friends going, why do you even live down there? I'm like, well, it is at the beach and it's very reasonably priced. Right. Um, and it was just, it was just very empty. And then I, you know, as I, because there weren't a lot of people here, I transitioned back. I grew up in Red Bank, so I transitioned back to that area. But I just, once I lived here, I thought I, I need to go back there. I need to get back there and go back there. And eventually, I, of course, I did, starting in Wanamassa and then made my way just back into Asbury. And that's where I've been because I loved it here. Yeah. Kat, uh, when we had Kathy Kelly on, we were talking about too. Uh, she came later in the two, I'm, I'm early 2000s. She's later in the 2000s. But that, you know, once you came here, you, 
this was home. You were not, you know, really looking elsewhere. And, you know, growing up in Redback, my father, I, I came down here when there was still um, like a roller coaster. It was across from sort of where the pony is now. Right. And I remember riding that. My cousins came into town. My father's cousins came into town. And I remember riding that roller coaster, being scared to death and saying to my dad when I was a little kid, I can't wait to grow up because I'm going to be down here every weekend. And by the time I was 17 or 18, it was like, you know, it was in disarray and that just wasn't available to us anymore. But I even loved it back then, a little kid. I thought it was the coolest place. Yeah, no, I, I think um, that's why it's so hard. When when you get here, it's so hard to leave here. And and really, why why should anybody be leaving here anyway? Um, Nobody should. If at all possible. If at all Because everybody here is great. And that's that's part of it, too. Like when, when you first started coming, you know, in the 2000s and... You couldn't get down the boardwalk without knowing just about everybody there. Exactly. Yeah. And such a w- welcoming, wonderful gay community. I had come from Jersey City and somebody had um, keyed Dyke on my car, which is fine. Um, and it might have been an ex. I don't know. Jury's <laughs> 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 out. <laughs> um, anyway, I was like, friends of mine were like, just come to Asbury. That kind of, that kind of shit's just not going to happen here. And, um, and one, it, it has never happened again. Um, and two, um, that at, in 2000, 2001, um, just really, you know, uh, people that are still here that I, you know, Jill Potter and like a lot of really amazing people that are still around that, um, I'm, I'm glad have remained. Um, back to lesbian content, uh, favorite lesbian character in general. In general. That's tough. And I gotta be honest. I don't, um, I'm not a big like Netflix or TV watcher. So what are you Albert, doing during this pandemic? <laughs> I'm Mark Reed. Um, I, I mean, I do go through kind of, I just don't, um, you know, so I, I think here's, here's my big coming out party. Okay. I think I'm really just a gay man trapped in here more than like, I don't, I've never seen orange is the new black. Right there, I said it. Now everyone knows. Never seen it. I know. I, it's very I good. <laughs> it's very good. Um, and I don't know how to play pool. All right, there. Watching the L word. I did. I used to. I did used to watch the L word. I, I have seen. I have seen that. But probably watched more Queer as Folk than I did the L word. I, I love Queer as Folk. Queer as Folk was was a game changer completely. Um, Kathy. So I asked Kathy Kelly these questions, and like days later, she's sending me these these um her response one was xena warrior princess which which i thought was interesting i could totally see that be your being a character and and then we had a lengthy discussion on personal best which i don't know if you saw oh my gosh yeah i forgot you pulled that one right out oh i pulled that one only because kathy kelly and i've been texting about how personal best was such a game changer for us it totally was and that was over where um by the circle, there used to be a movie theater there because it was Seaview Square Mall back then, okay. like over by the Target area, and it was the Seaview Movie Theater. And I was young. I had my mom drop me off there because it was the only place that it was playing. And I sat there in awe going, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, this is happening. This is <laughs> happening. And then remember Making Love, the movie Making Love? That was oh, a more write thing. it down. Oh yeah. That, I mean, you know, listen, it's what early eighties cheese, but it was a, it's a gay man's film. More. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, 
yeah so anyway her and i favorite lesbian book is there a lesbian you know what i haven't read a lot of lesbian books um back in back in my day um ruby fruit jungle of course yeah of course uh, and then there's another one a rita may brown book a second rita may brown book about the tennis circuit i can the name now escapes me about women's tennis and I remember reading those when I was young and I thought every lesbian read Ruby Fruit Jungle. I could be. Oh, well, I definitely read that. Um, the tennis book, I don't know. I have to think about it. I'll have to ask Heather, but I'll, I'll get it and maybe start to read during this pandemic because I'm having it such a hard time concentrating that the only thing I can do is watch like Netflix series. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I, and I'm watching like all the ones that I shouldn't be watching, right? Like the Tiger Tiger King. I did see that though. I have to, I have to be honest. I did, I did see Tiger King. I watched it too. And I have to say it was a little riveting as much as I, I can could stop. It. Couldn't it stop. was riveting. Um, so I watched that. What else? I'm watching something now, how to fix a drug scandal, which is these people who, these scientists who test chemists who test for drugs and criminal trials. And these two women who just, one just becomes completely hooked on drugs in her thirties at the first time, the first time she tries it. Um, and so all of these criminal cases are thrown out. It's actually an interesting documentary. Okay. So I'm watching that. And then what, what, Oh, I, we saw, I saw it in the movie theater, but I watched it again. Um, a uh, portrait of a lady on fire, which is lesbian starring a lesbian. It's really good. I think it's Hulu. Don't, I think it's Hulu. And what else were we watching? We're watching, I've done nothing but watch TV, like quite literally. Um, well, and again, because like we were, like we touched on the beginning of our conversation. I'm still going to work every, every shift. Right? <laughs> so my life is kind of just like, okay. And then I am either virtually or social distancing training clients. So I'm kind of like, yeah, I still have the same hours of my day. I, I'm not, thankfully, I don't have a lot of time to fill. Because again, I don't know where that would take me. I could, I might go down a rabbit hole of Netflix and never be seen from again. Yeah. Like, well, oh. as somebody who's normally always out at like my day job, which is an attorney, and then right. my, and then my other job is deputy mayor, I am I'm rarely catch a series or watch anything. So this is like an interesting experience for me. So you're like you are like the poster child for for people like me. Like, don't let this happen to you. Yes. It's <laughs> Um, I have seen everything trending on Netflix. Um, oh, I saw some, anyway, I've seen everything trending on Netflix. Um, Jeffrey's going to bring my son back. If you, if, if there were three things you wanted people to take away from this podcast, name mm-hmm. me the three things you would want them to take away. Um, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Okay. And pay attention because the social distancing thing and not connecting is really for the greater good. And I know it's, I know, I know everybody's crazy and nobody wants to get out and I know everybody wants to do their thing and have life back, but it's really important to not inundate the, the system right now, the, you know, the, the healthcare system. And that's really what this is about. We all may end up with some attach of the COVID. Who knows? But inundating the healthcare system is really what this was designed to do: was to slow the roll on that. So that's really important. So let's let's think on a greater good um, sort of track there. Um, keep moving, just keep moving. Whatever you have to do, I don't care if you have to, you know, run up your stairs and then come down. If you're going to walk around in circles, um, whatever it is, just try to keep moving some way every day, little bit. Okay. Again, you don't have to bite off a big chunk of time and a lot, but you know, between your Netflix, 
go, go down and do mountain climbers. Right. Something. Um, and just watch the food. More good stuff. More of the really good stuff. Nutrient-dense, plant-based, hopefully. Add more. And keep it, you know, uh, keep it clean. And you'll be better off on the other side of it. I really do believe that. You'll feel better about yourself. You know, your psyche will feel better that you just did the best to fuel yourself. Because you're taking care of yourself. And I think a lot of that is this big, bigger message here. Let's take care of ourselves. Stay safe. Be good to yourself. Stay safe during the whole thing and beyond. Let's like once it's done, let's keep that idea. Yeah, no, I feel like I, I think and and we should do a podcast on this. Like, I think the effects of this are going to be interesting. Let me say that because I feel we'll like I don't there. know that I'm ever gonna like. I was shaking hands at the St. Patrick's Day parade, which was yeah. a week before we declared a state of emergency, and I was thinking to myself, I mean, I just got lucky, right? I didn't, I didn't shake the wrong hand, I, you know. But pure luck, pure luck, because I was shaking hands and kissing people high um, a week before the city declared a state of emergency. So I think that there's such a like a level of irony with that. Um, yeah, if everyone were vegan, we wouldn't have eaten the bat, right? Right. Yeah. So I vegan people are all over. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want, but I do wonder if that's like resonate resonating with other people. Like, is that is that message res, resonating with other people? And I don't know I if it is or it isn't. I hope I hope it is on some level. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank Ming you. and Shared Universe. I don't know what happened to Ed. And hopefully when we're back, I'm back with Joe. Because we miss Joe. We miss Joe a lot. Yeah. Good wishes to Joe. Good wishes to Joe. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you, Amy. <laughs>